So over the weekend, I had several emails from listeners about military mobilization inside the United States, Canada, and even Mexico. And and what did I know about it? This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. And so on Saturday and then again Sunday and even this morning, I have tried to find stories about this phenomena that many people around the United States have reported. So is there military mobilization happening within our borders? Hard to say. I'm a little bit stumped because if you go to what should be trustworthy news sources, not that I think a lot of them are anymore, including Fox News, I don't see any mention of any of this. I try to look at some local news in the areas where these sightings or phenomena have occurred and nothing there as well. Newsmax. But there are stories out there and some of them appear to be somewhat credible and it makes you have to think what could possibly be going on. Now, asking me, what do I know, is, well, not much. At Truth to Ponder, we try to distill through a lot of news that we get and try to really look for the story behind the story or put the story in light of maybe biblical prophecy, uh, a Christian worldview. I don't have a team of reporters and researchers that put any of this together. We are a small operation. And other small operations that I, I read every, virtually every day say the same thing. We don't know. I can't give you an answer. And maybe you know more than I do. Maybe you have a source. I, I've read several and they're somewhat credible, but there's no explanation. Most of these smaller news sources, do we do our best. Like I say, you have stories coming out of Idaho Falls. You have stories coming out of South Carolina, near Corning, New York, and San Diego, and other places around California, even in Pennsylvania. What's going on? Military sightings. What could be happening with these military sightings? Now, I, I do my best not to be a, try to find a conspiracy where one may not be. I do try to share with you what I see and what I think may be happening. Information, let me just say this, information is the biggest commodity out there today. Information, if you control it, if you control the narrative, and if you can data mine information on people, it is power both for economics and for government control. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. That's called fifth-generation warfare, informational warfare. So what might be, what could possibly be going on? Why were there all these military vehicles in motion on a Saturday? Well, there's several things that come to my mind. Some are relatively harmless. The other ones, not so much. I know that 
some radio programs and podcasts are making a big deal about this, and and they may very well be right. But I do know from some of the work that I used to do in emergency management, there are a lot of things that happen at the National Guard level during the course of every so often, especially on a Saturday. You know, you've heard the term weekend warrior. Now, whether they're what they're practicing for would be disturbing to me if they're looking to do something inside of our borders. Moving vehicles from point A to point B, I've, I've seen them do that for almost 50 years. My concern is, what are they practicing for, if anything? Is there anything possibly on the horizon? And understand this. In today's world, it is a huge challenge to kind of go through and sift through the fake news to find any kind of truth. And sometimes there is a fine line between dismissing news that seems too outrageous to be true and letting real news slip through the cracks. Now, my plan at this point is to observe and dig and read. There are some sources that I kind of trust that are, well, they're right some of the time. And I'll let you know as the days go by. One thing that has been mentioned, though, and, and I've seen this in a number of sources, this Friday, June 23rd, is a big day. There's some NATO drills that will be coming to an end. And some of the concern out there, and once again, I cannot confirm this. I have no way to confirm it currently. But understand that you have to wonder with what's going on in Ukraine, with NATO, with this push toward war. Are we preparing for something that may or may not happen after the 23rd or after this Friday? Because supposedly these drills with NATO are supposed to end on Friday. And now there are stories about some countries wanting to send uh, F-16s into Ukraine. And one of the stories that I've read that is highly credible, I've mentioned this before on the program, the F-16 is not the world's greatest aircraft to land on bad runways or in a combat zone. And so these aircraft, which require a huge, a tremendous amount of maintenance, will end up being serviced on NATO bases. What will Russia do about those aircraft? Will they go attack those aircraft at their NATO bases if they are deployed in the Ukraine theater? And that is something to which I'm extremely concerned. I believe that we are playing with fire, human lives, and an impending disaster for no apparently good reason. And I know many of you disagree when I make the statement, but I will say it again. The war in Ukraine could have 100% been avoided. Many people are now saying it. Even people that early on were big into this 
are beginning to say, you know, maybe this wasn't such a great idea after all. Maybe maybe NATO and the United States should have abided by the signed 1992 treaties and stopped playing games and violating them. Maybe the United States should never have interfered with Ukrainian elections in 2014 and caused a coup. Maybe, maybe we need to mind our own business for a moment and fix our own problems here at home. And we have plenty of them. Lots of them. And so I look at the news. I don't see anything in particular going on, but I do worry that this government in Washington today is controlled by what Eisenhower rightfully called the military-industrial complex. They never saw a war they couldn't make a buck out of. Liz Cheney, your daddy. We spent how many years in Iraq and, what, 20 years in Afghanistan? And what do we have to show for it? More instability than when we started. But man, those that make money on war did really well. And thousands of people have lost their lives. 300,000 have died in Ukraine. For what? For what? So companies like Northrop and many others that make weapons can send them all in and make more money. We'll talk about it later this week. I, I don't really want to get into that story now. I have so many important things to talk about that need to be discussed. So is there anything to be concerned about with military operations and machinery and hardware being moved around the United States and Canada and Mexico? I don't know. But I will keep looking and anything I find out, I will share with you. Now, as far as our wonderful military that hasn't won a war since World War II here in the United States. You have, during this month of June, one of the greatest morons ever put in charge of anything in the military. Her, her name is General, I guess if she identifies as female, General Deanna M. Burt. And sometimes the radical left and how they get into our military and infected and destroyed from within, I don't know how we've allowed that to stand. Millie is a good example of people that should be expelled from the military, court-martialed, you know, stripped of rank, everything for being traitors. But this, this gal, if she is a gal, She's all worried about transgenderism, and she says that the laws are getting in the way of my job. She's all worried about that 0.004% of the population that might be trans or think they are. And she's really concerned about this agenda. She talks about, she was talking last week about trans, transformational cultural change and i want you to listen to these just a moment or so this was said at the department of defense at an lgbtq pride event transformational cultural change requires leadership from the top and we do not have time to wait 
Since January of this year, more than 400 anti-LGBTQ plus laws have been introduced at the state level. That number is rising and demonstrates a trend that could be dangerous for service members, their families, and the readiness of the force as a whole. When I look at potential candidates, say for squadron command, I strive to match the right person to the right job. I consider their job performance and relevant experience first. However, I also look at their personal circumstances and their family is also an important factor. It's a good match for a job does not feel safe being themselves and performing at their highest potential at a given location, or if their family could be denied critical health care due to the laws in that state. I am compelled to consider a different candidate and perhaps less qualified. Now, if you listen carefully and get past all the governmental gobbledygook and catchphrases of the day, equity, inclusion, transform, transformational cultural change, what this general is saying is that she is basing her hiring on on a social agenda, not really qualifications. You got to remember that having gays in the military up until about 25 years ago was a felony. You didn't do it. It was against the law. And in 25 years, we have decimated and gutted the military from within. I don't, the military should not be a social experiment. It should be a fighting force to protect our nation, our people, our values from those that would seek to destroy us. We are in a cultural war. This month of June, like I say, fathers got one day yesterday. Mothers got a day last month. Veterans who died in wars, they got a day at the end of May. And and those that serve will be remembered sometime in November. Our nation's birthday gets a day. But the homosexual community, the gay and lesbians, get a whole month to be in our face. I don't get it. But I do understand this. It is now a cultural war. A cultural war. There is a war against fatherhood, motherhood, marriage, and family. There's no doubt about it. This is war. And Father's Day yesterday was a good time to reflect on the importance of of dads in the home. It was also an opportunity to bring attention on how fatherhood, marriage, and family have become divisive and partisan political issues to the progressive left that seeks to destroy the family. I can remember, think about this, 2008, candidate Barack Obama talked about the importance of fatherhood, marriage, and family. A little over a decade ago, he gave a speech about violent crime and included the observation that most elected officials in the Democrat Party don't want to ever say about not having a father in a home. And ever since that, you never heard him talk about fathers in the home again. You never hear Democrats talking about it 2016 or even 2020 or today. 
By destroying the family, we become dependent upon the government. Let me say it again. By destroying the family, it raises the importance of government in our lives. By marginalizing people of faith, by trying to destroy the church, the body of Christ, the powers that are evil gain more power. And when I come back, I'm going to take an early break. I'm going to share a lot of thoughts on that that I really believe you need to hear. Right now, I want to just take a moment to remind you that this radio program is here because of your prayers, your support, the fact that you listen, and for those that are able to financially support us, means everything. It keeps us on the radio. If you've never supported Truth to Ponder before, if you've listened, maybe for a month, maybe six months, maybe a year, two or more, and you've never even contacted the radio program, now's a good time. Even if you cannot give, and by the way, I'm, if you do send me a note, I'm not harvesting email addresses. I may in the future build an email list you can opt in for if you want. And occasionally I can send you some behind the scenes information about the program. But I know what it's like to have a full inbox. So I'm very sensitive to your privacy. Would you do me a favor and let me know how you listen to this program? Means the world to me. I know many listen as a podcast. And if so, which platform? I know we put it out through primarily Spotify and our primary source is actually Podpoint, which is a Christian podcasting corporation. And then it gets pushed out to, I believe, iTunes and iHeart and Google Podcast, uh, Stitcher. I, I mean, dozens, which I have no control over. And you may hear an advertisement. I can assure you, I don't get anything for that advertisement. They, in exchange to put a commercial, give me the, quote, free time. Or maybe you listen on radio. If you do, what station? And where do you live? You know, like what state or just general area? Be a great help. WRMI and KVOH are the stations. If you can support us, oh, by the way, my email is bob at truththenumber2ponder.com. Bob at truththenumber2ponder.com. Our mailing address, if you can make a check payable, do Ancient Word Radio or just to write is Post Office Box 510, Chilhowee, Virginia, 24319. That's Post Office Box 510, Chilhowee, Virginia, 24319. Now, when I get back after this quick break, I've got some really, really important stuff to share. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Beerman. All that John couldn't see coming up. 
Shalom Aleichem. This is the nice Jewish boy, Jonathan Kahn, your Jewish connection, bringing you the riches of your Jewish roots in Jesus. Now get your pen out as fast as you can so you don't miss out on receiving a special free gift you're going to get and love in a moment. Yochanan was his name. He was called the greatest man who was ever born of women by Messiah. Yochanan, or we know him as John. Now, he had expectations, undoubtedly, of Messiah, which he didn't see happen. He, he questioned, in, when he was in prison afterwards, he questioned Messiah. He questioned Jesus, Yeshua, if he was the real, if he was the Messiah, the one, because he didn't see happening what he expected. You know, it means he imagined that certain things would happen when the Messiah would come. I mean, the, the kingdom, Rome, and all that, and the, 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 the day of the Lord. But he didn't see it. And so that means he must have been questioning his own life because he was the one preparing the way and he pointed to Yeshua, Jesus. But Messiah would be far greater than anything John could ever imagine, not just to Israel, but to the whole world. John, Yochanan, could not even imagine what, what Messiah would do to this world. Messiah sent back a message, said, go tell John what you've seen and heard. Basically saying, John, don't worry, I am. And you're not a failure. Your life is not a failure. You, you, you can't even imagine how the world is going to change because of this. So God is saying to you, listen, you may not see your life turn out the way you wanted. You know, it didn't happen the way you wanted it to go and the way you planned. But be faithful to God because Messiah is faithful to you. There is no failure and may not be as you thought, but Messiah's work will be greater. You've got no idea the fruit of your life and your faithfulness. In Messiah, Jesus, you be faithful. There is no failure. You keep on, you keep sowing, you keep on doing good, press on, and you'll see your life was and is now a success beyond all you could ever think or imagine. Want more? Well, uh, ask for The Baptist on CD. Now, how do you like to receive something so awesome it's been hidden for 2,000 years? Well, you can. The Mystery of the Temple Doors on CD. You'll love it. And Sapphire is guaranteed to bless your socks off. How? Just remember Jesus' real Hebrew name, Yeshua, and you dial it. Just call 1-800-YESHUA-1 to get your free gifts. You will be blessed, but call now. It's 1-800-YESHUA-1. I invite, me to, I invite you to join me in bringing salvation back to God's ancient people, Messiah's people, Israel, the Jewish people, and the unreached on people on five continents with over a billion people there. How? Just call 1-800-YESHUA-1. You can blanket the earth through shortwave radio. It's amazing. That's Y-E-S-H-U-A-1. Or you can write me direct. Here's how. Just write to the nice Jewish boy, Box 1111, Lodi, L-O-D-I, New Jersey, 07644. That's the nice Jewish boy, Box 1111, Lodi, L-O-D-I, New Jersey, 07644. Until next time, this is Jonathan Kahn saying, remember, be faithful and you will be a success. God bless you in Messiah or Ha'olam, the light of the world. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. And welcome back to part two of Truth to Ponder for this Monday. So thankful for all of you that do listen to this program and and I'm also blessed by those of you that contact me and I am humbled by those of you that, that, that support this ministry. Now, as I went to the break, I mentioned this war on the family structure and it's been developing for decades, getting a little bit worse with each passing year. The schools believe they are the ones that should raise children, guide and mold them. 
And as we learned in Virginia during the governor's race a few years ago, when Terry McAuliffe said, you know, parents have no business in their kids' education, he lost the election. Many parents are getting tired of it, even many Democrat parents, to be quite honest. If you destroy the family, it makes it easier for government to become your family and even your God. They become what you depend your life upon. Now, those on the progressive side will tell you uh, they don't talk much about marriage. They don't talk about fatherhood because they believe social outcomes are only driven by their public policy and systemic forces, you know, forces. Not, not individuals, not families. That's why Governor Ron DeSantis in Florida was criticized for signing a bill that provides programs to promote responsible fatherhood. Now, as many of you know, we have recently launched a small local church here in Southwest Virginia by the name of Trinity Chapel. Trinity Chapel, and I'm its pastor. We're just starting out. And yesterday, I shared a message on the importance of family and fatherhood. And honestly, I shared a bit of my heart and my own personal life that I, I think may be helpful for you today. So I would like to take this segment of the program to bring you that message that I gave yesterday at Trinity Chapel. By the way, if you want to find out about the church, it's trinitychapelvirginia.com, trinitychapelvirginia.com. And if you're in Southwest Virginia, you we'd love to have you visit with us. But right now, I want to take you to yesterday morning inside the church as I prepared to deliver the message. Father, as we come to this time when we gather around your word, I pray at this hour that you open our eyes to see, our ears to hear, and our hearts to receive what you have for us. For this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Fatherhood has got to be in my lifetime. And really, even before I came along has been the butt of many a joke. You know, old dad, he can't do anything right. He does everything wrong. He doesn't know how to do the laundry or do the dishes or anything. He can't do anything. But he's there. And somehow we as a family muddle through with the old geezer. If you look at commercials, you look at comedy, you look at any of it today in the culture, fatherhood is being, has been under you know, a gradual erosion for decades, decades. Today, the idea of even using the word father is becoming a no-no in, in our culture. 
it's unnecessary. We don't even need mothers anymore, just birthing people. Whatever that is. God set out an order that has mothers and fathers. And he, and he does that for a purpose. I look at my life, and you may not know it, but as a very young child, I was, I was put up for adoption around the age of one. I was born to an unwed mother, and I was born in New York State, even though I was bought and conceived in California. Go figure that one out. And my biological mother struggled for quite a while trying to raise me on her own. 1954 was not a time to be a single parent. And so the pressure was on for adoption. And by the grace of God, I was adopted into a family, a Christian family, put through a Christian school for the first eight years of my life and had quite a foundation laid into me. That's a story for another day, how God orchestrated all of that. I never knew my biological father I did some research, this is pre-internet, so it took me three years. I found my birth mother and my birth father living in different states. They hadn't even talked to each other since months before I was born. He didn't even know that she was pregnant. That was, but he always suspected. I share one trait with my biological father that became who I became in many ways and never realized it. After my biological father kind of grew up, he had been a kind of a troublesome child in a little town called Star City, West Virginia. And he lied about his age to get into the Navy to avoid going to jail for some little prank or mis mischievous stuff that he had done. And so at age 16, claiming that he was 18, he ended up in the United States Navy. I've seen a picture, he looks like a 10 year old on that deck. Baby face, I have the same issue. And there he is. And then he went, then he ended up in the Marines, ended up in California, met this woman he thought would be his wife and she really wanted him. And, her brother didn't, and because he's from West Virginia, uh, it, it just didn't wasn't going to work. But over the years, when he finally settled down in life, he married a very godly woman and took on the responsibility of her children. He became a stepdad in every sense of the word. My adoptive father was the same way with me. I don't know where I would be today had it not been for my father and the wisdom and the concern and the investment he made in me. He had, and, and he reminds me of a sermon even as a young child. I remember, I probably was like nine. Funny how you remember certain things. And it was, I don't know what time of the year it was, but the pastor in that sermon talked about the responsibility of fathers. So it may have very well been Father's Day. And stating that fathers have the ultimate responsibility 
to see the gifts that God has placed in the child or the children they have and to help those children explore, learn, and develop those talents that God has put in there. That is one of the most important things a father ever does is to identify what a child's gifts are and to steer them away from things that may not really work out. My father reminds me that he had noticed that I had this affinity toward electronics. And so against my mother's severe objections, he bought me an electronic build-it kit. And I'm tearing into that thing at a birthday and I'm figuring out how to do all kinds of stuff. My mother's afraid that if I get into this kind of stuff, I'm gonna burn the house down or, you know, who knows? Make a death ray. You had to know my mother. Little side note. How many of you are old enough to remember the great blackout of 1965? I can never remember which year. 65 or 66. The whole northeastern United States, the power went out. True story. We had a HO model racing set that we that I had been given at my birthday not that many weeks before. I had some friends over, and we started hooking it up, putting the track together, getting the wiring, you know, to run the little controls with it. My mother goes, you need to wait till your father gets home. You're gonna, do, you're gonna cause some damage. And just as we got it ready to go, hit the switch, the lights went off. <laughs> My mother goes, I told you, I told you. And then she's, the whole street's out. Robert, what have you done? <laughs> Put the radio on, all of the Northeast. My mother, to the day she died, believed that I caused the blackout. She was convinced. I told that story at her funeral that at least now she knows the truth that I didn't do it. Really, Mom, I didn't. But my father saw the gifts in me and encouraged me. Even when the world says you ought to do this, do that, do the other, maybe go to this kind of school, that kind of school, my father said, try out a tech school before you go on to a college. See where you want to be. See what your talents really are. When I wanted to go into being a radio broadcaster, that's a kind of a hard business. People don't understand. It's really tough, even then. Worse today. Number one, in smaller markets, the pay is terrible. And the competition was fierce. Everybody wanted a job, and that's why you work for 60 bucks a week and all the records you could eat. That was the old saying back in the day. And only a handful ever broke out of small markets to go to medium and big stations where the real money was. That was my goal. And my, my father said, give it time, pursue it, see if that's what you really want to do. But always know you have other talents you can fall back on if talking your way through a living in a microphone doesn't pan out. Well, I did make it to a major market, and I was on the radio in Atlanta at a very young age, and I, the owner of the station, this before big, you know, corporate radio, said, you know, said, why do you waste your time? He said, you're good on the air. He said, but you have some engineering skills. You ought to consider doing that. More stable. And he said, this business is going to change. 
he could see the handwriting on the wall in the 70s. And so with his encouragement, I thought what my father said, you have all these gifts and talents, fall back on what God has given you. And so over the next year and a half, two years, I made the transition from being on, you know, from being on air to other aspects of the business, including management, program director, then engineering. Learn it all, decided if you can do it all, you can survive. If you, if you can wear one, more than one hat, it helps. And so God was good to me and gracious and opened those doors. And in my life, God has opened doors. I look back now. My father was right. You, you, you have to look at what you've got and exercise those gifts. A person with a music gift, if they don't practice on a regular basis, they don't play that well. A singer who doesn't practice on a regular basis, the voice is no longer, has the control, the depth, the range. In everything, we exercise these gifts that God has given us. And, and even the Bible explains not everybody gets all these, even within the church, not everybody's called to be a preacher, not everybody's called to be an evangelist or this, that, or the other. There are many parts to the body of Christ, many things that need to be done. Not everybody needs to be everything, but we need people to do those things that need to be done, just like in work. And so fathers have a huge impact on our lives. Now, when I went off to college, there had been some issues in our home that my parents were very good about hiding. And my parents ended up getting a divorce after I had moved out. Broke my heart, it destroyed my world for years. And I very seldom spoke to my father, saw him maybe once every several years. Almost, it got to the point that we would go years and never speak. He had remarried, gotten involved in that new life. And somewhere around 1999, out of nowhere, my father knew how to contact me. We were, I was now down in Florida. He, he emailed me because somehow he had my email address. One of the, I, I wish I still had it. It wasn't a very lengthy email, but it was just his apology to me for not being there. And I wrote back, I said, you know, I said, Dad, you were there when I needed you the most between, you know, one and 18. At that point, as I got older, you know, I, I got to take on responsibility of my own. And so I was very content in getting that from my father, you know, that, that note. And we started developing a little correspondence which led to phone calls. And ultimately, at least my father and I reconciled ourselves to each other. Matter of fact, he had gotten to the point in life, things had changed, and he had considered moving to where I was in Florida to be close to me. It was the first Sunday in Advent, 2002. And I'm getting ready to go to church and the phone rings. My father passed away suddenly of a massive heart attack while taking a shower. 
And so that trip he had planned in January was not going to happen. Instead, we had his funeral. I can remember a song from the 1970s. It was by a group called Bread. I'd give everything I own, give up my house, my heart, my home, just to have you once again. Today, I saw a lot of Facebook postings of pictures of fathers that are no longer with us. Dear friends of mine, of course, now when you get to be my age, our fathers pretty much are no longer with us. And others that talk about how they were 12 or 13 when they suddenly and unexpectedly lost their father, but they still are thankful for the time that they had. Fatherhood is really a very important role. It's not just being the donor to bring somebody into the world, there's a responsibility that goes with it. Mothers nurture, no doubt about it. That's, that's the, the role God gives. They can nurture, they can care, they can empathize, they, can, they, they show emotions differently in, in our raising. Especially when we are younger, we are more dependent upon, especially young boys are more dependent upon their mothers than even young girls. And young girls become very dependent upon their fathers in many cases. Daddy's little girl. Now, my biological father, outside of me, who he didn't know about, he never had any other children. But he was the dad for many other children and grandchildren. That became his calling. When I met the love of my life, in the 1970s in Georgia. When I first met her, I did not realize she was a bit older than I was. She didn't look it at all. Never did until the last days of her life with cancer. She always looked younger than I did. And, you know, so he, here this young radio announcer guy is kind of hitting on this gal, you know, trying to figure out. She's not wearing a wedding ring, so she may be, you know, fair game. <laughs> And she had to explain to me, uh, I'm, I think I'm a little bit older than you. I mean, I've got kids at home, and I'm thinking, you know, what, little toddlers? No, older than that. And she relented one day when I said, look, why don't we just go out one time? So she agreed to meet me at, at a McDonald's. And for whatever reason, we fell in love that night at a McDonald's. Then I found out just how old her kids were. And the fact that she was almost 13 years older than I was, and I didn't look it, but we got married anyway. And suddenly I went from being an irresponsible disc jockey to suddenly having to be a dad to growing up girls, one getting married soon, I mean, at a young age. I mean, it was, and then grandkids at a young age. I have been... The father and grandfather and great-grandfather now to, I can't even see, one, two, three, four, five, six, eight. And I'm their dad, even though it may be grandpa in some cases, but I've been the one that's always been there for them in all they've gone through in their life. See, it's not just the biological part that makes you a father. It's the emotional investment you make, listening to what God puts on your heart and being obedient unto him. Now, I could have done other things in life and been a lot wealthier if I really wanted to, but as I look back over the years now, I wouldn't trade in anything. 
I really wouldn't. Oh, I may make a few different investments, but with what you know, Microsoft would have been a good idea back in 1979 or something like that. But as far as the people, the places, the things that are important, no, I wouldn't change any of it. God has been kind, wonderful, and gracious to me. And even though I never was the biological father of any child, I've had the privilege of being a dad over and over and over again. I have done weddings for these daughters and I've done weddings for you ready for this grandkids. Wouldn't trade those moments in for anything. Because even though our DNA doesn't match, the love that God put in our hearts for each other is permanent. As Christians, we are adopted into the family of God. Our Heavenly Father has opened the door to us to be his children. If we believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ. It's an amazing thing. It's, it's an easy thing. And I think so many churches make it so complicated. When St. Paul would preach and teach, it was straightforward and to the point. People's lives were changed in an instant. There are a lot of things that I'm not empowered to do, but God empowers me to do them anyway. When the idea of becoming a pastor and preaching came along, I was terrified. I mean, I gotta write a sermon every week. And, I, and, and when I first started out, that's what I was doing. I was standing up at a lectern and I am reading my sermon like this and it was kind of boring. But I remember that day that I had this, what I thought the greatest sermon I've ever written sitting up there in a pulpit. And the hymn is playing. And I, as the hymn is being, being sung and I'm saying, Lord, you know, bless this sermon. You know, you just kind of go almost through the motions. It almost becomes like you just say this prayer. And I had heard this voice saying, don't preach that sermon. Yes, Father, uh, what am I going to do? And I'll never forget the day that I realized how powerful God's Holy Spirit can be. I walked into that pulpit I looked at those notes, everything all nice, ready to be flipping the pages and everything else. I took the whole thing and just turned it over. And I opened the service with the same exact prayer you just heard. Open our eyes to see, our ears to hear, and our hearts to receive. And then I walked away from the pulpit, came down the aisle, and the sermon flowed from that point on and has been doing that now for what, 20 years? Almost 20 years. On Sunday mornings or any time that I've ever preached, you know, there's a restlessness inside. Lord, I kind of know what you want me to talk about, but what are the words? What, what, do I, what, what am I supposed to do? And now trying to you know, run the music and everything else and trying to figure that out, it's almost like a distraction. I need to get those things taken care of. So I can do the one thing that God has called me to do. Hopefully I do a decent enough job to share from God's word. And try to keep it simple, understandable, where your life is changed and impacted and you leave this place different than you were when you came in the door. 
That's my prayer. For all of you who are fathers, what a gift you've been given. For all of you that no longer have your fathers with you in this earth, their memories are precious. Their mission and ministry, I pray, and I, and, I, and I understand that there are many people, and I've met them in my ministry, where, sadly, the father was absent, or the father had a problem with alcohol or drugs or, or unfaithfulness. These things happen. We, are, we live in a sin-sick world. And so not, not every family is, the, is, you know, June and Ward Cleaver. It doesn't work that way. But God can restore even all those things we lose in our, in our upbringing. God is faithful to forgive us. You know, one of the best parts about being a Christian, and this is, I'm going to close on this thought. Yes, fatherhood is important. Fathers are the leaders of their home. They should set the tone for godliness and everything else within the home. That, that's their responsibility. And there's nothing more precious to me when I've done weddings. I'll tell you one wedding I did a while back, a couple of summers ago. I have the younger stepdaughter. She'd had, let's say, some bad luck with men. And she was right not to be married to one of them, and so she was single again. Matter of fact, well, another story, I'm not gonna get into that, but she finally found a guy and she wanted me to do the wedding. And it was gonna be a beautiful outdoor wedding. She said, but I don't know how we're gonna do this. How do you walk me down the aisle and do the wedding? I said, real easy, we'll figure it out. And there we had a large outdoor wedding. We had everything going. I'm wearing my full vestments. I mean, this is big time, outdoors. And I came up front to bring in the, you know, the groom's party. And I stood there as the bridesmaids started to come up. And then I just quickly exited stage left, or stage right, whatever. Went down as she's coming out to take her up the aisle. took me three minutes, four minutes to get my composure back to even start the service. And she's married and happy, the happiest I think she's ever been in her life. That's the kind of honor that a father loves, to walk the daughter down the aisle, or a granddaughter down the aisle, or do the wedding, do it the whole nine yards. Fatherhood is a blessing. And here's the scary part. It's over in a flash. I look back now and I go, where do the years go? And I look at these young kids with their kids and now another generation starting. It's an amazing thing. And you see the influence you've had on their life. Heavenly Father, thank you for fatherhood. Thank you for the opportunities that you give us the responsibilities that you entrust us with. And Lord, there are many times that we are unworthy of all that you've given us. 
and all that you expect us to do. But we are thankful that you empower us to do your will. Father, as we come to this time, as we prepare to close this service, if we have failed you in any way, if we've come short, Lord, you are faithful and just to hear our prayer and to forgive us of our sin. Let today for many of us be a new day in Christ. For this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. All to Jesus I surrender all To Him I freely give I will ever love and trust Him in His presence daily live I surrender all I surrender all all to Thee my blessed Savior I surrender
listen, our time is just about up for today. And I hope the message you heard just a few moments ago had special meaning for you. I pray that it may be an eye-opener for for many of you listening today. If you want to find out more about the church, you can go to the church website, which is trinitychapelvirginia.com, trinitychapelvirginia.com. For those of you that listen by radio, I want to thank you, all of you, that have kept us on the air almost three years now. If you've never written before or even considered supporting us, would you consider now at this huge crossroad that we are at? You can support this radio ministry by making a check or money order payable to Ancient Word Radio. Ancient Word Radio. The mailing address is Post Office Box 510. Post Office Box 510. And the city is Chilhowee, Virginia, C-H-I-L-H-O-W-I-E, Chilhowee, Virginia, and the zip code is 24319. That's 24319. You can also support us from our website, which is truththenumber2ponder.com, truththenumber 2 ponder.com you can use give send go a christian crowdfund sourcing organization and they have been just wonderful for us to deal with once again email me and let me know how you listen i'm not building a an email list yet when i do that i'll let you know and you can opt in or opt out but if you can help us this month Make a check or money order payable to Ancient Word Radio, Post Office Box 510, P.O. Box 510, Chilhowee, Virginia, C-H-I-L-H-O-W-I-E, Chilhowee, Virginia, 24319. That's 24319, and we'll see you tomorrow. This has been Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. To find out more, visit our website, Truth the number two, and the word ponder.com. That's truth, the number two, ponder.com. Truth to Ponder, shining the light of truth in a darkening world.